Welcome back to DL Uncut. Our next guest is a hip-hop artist, host of the People's Party podcast, and author of the new book, Vibrate Higher. Welcome, Talib Kweli. What up, young man? You all right? What up? Peace and love. Peace and <laughs> Peace love. Peace and love. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say good. something about you I usually reserve about saying by myself. You are fucking dope. You are <laughs> oh, dope. I, I hate listen, that you're dope, but you are. Yeah, he does. Love and respect and appreciate you so much. You know, every time I see you, I let you know. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. You are one of my greatest inspirations. You are one of the, uh, you know, I'm not someone who is out here. We Black people are not a monolith. I'm not someone who's out here. I don't feel like one man ever represents the culture. One woman right, ever represents right, the right. culture. But if I had to, if someone put a gun gun to my head and said, you need somebody to represent black culture, you hide in the running for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you never get a gun put to your head. Again, I'm sure it happened before. Um, yes, indeed. What are you? What would you say you are? Because you are a hip-hop legend, and I think uh, you, you're an author now. You're a podcast. Like, what, what would you, you're multi-hyphenated. So what would you say you are? I'm a renaissance man. I'm like Lorenz Tate and Love Jones. For sure. For sure. I'm about to like ride a motorcycle and do some spoken word and play a <laughs> Oh, well. You also, you're also <laughs> close to 50. Stop it. You'll hurt yourself. Don't do it. Um, you know that's what? Why, I, that's, that's why I made a Love Jones reference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, when I knew, like, music dope, like, I, I watch you just talk about hip hop and I've watched you talk about any number of things. But I saw an episode you had with Matthew Modine uh, on your. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talked about white privilege. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a black man talk to a white man about white, white, white privilege, where it didn't get defensive, where you heard what he said, and at the end of it, he finally understood. It, he was finally able to receive the fact that it existed. But I think it was only the way that you remember that episode? I do, and I got to give credit to the good brother uh, David Allen Greer because he credits uh, David Allen Greer with being the first sort of black person that even gave him that seed to understand it. Right, right. You know, and I think it's it's about proximity for someone like him. I think Matthew Modine, clearly he's a, a compassionate person. He talked about being married to a woman of color. I believe his wife is right. Mexican. Right, right. Um, but we all know, DL, just because you have proximity to a person of color does not disprove your racism. Right. And, and thinking that it does proves that you're very racist. Right. So <laughs> I think, you know, I think for him to, for him to sort of, share that process it was so healing for so many people especially for black people because right. you know when we see it's like the it's like the same thing when we see the um it's a good version of what we saw at the capitol we see certain things in the mainstream media and we'd be like yo i told y'all we wasn't right. crazy right 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 but it but it was the way you handled it because i would have never accepted that as a premise i think it's impossible I think that people either no one's really that obtuse. Like I think people pretend not to be. They, they either you either you actually believe that you were deemed to be in some way that you were just kissed by fate, mm-hmm. and that somebody else wasn't, or you're pretending like. But the way you handled it, I, I think you let him let him have his feelings, but but gently got him around to the fact that like, yeah, I see it now. But it was to me it wasn't just about David Alligator because he'd had a friend for a long time like, and, and, yeah, yeah. and he still didn't know. What do you think? Because you get in trouble, I guess, as much as a, any human, a grown man can get in trouble. 
you're you're on social media in as much hot water as I don't know who's in trouble more, me or me or you. I swear to God, I'm, <laughs> when I feel bad about myself, I read your feed because I go, oh, you know, <laughs> you're saying this awesome. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but who do you th- like, you like? You get called racist more than me. Like you get, and you you all and you're always very erudite, very articulate, very specific about the way you answer those things. Me, it's just eat a dick. But you, it's like really. You you really are you engage? Yeah, I do. I do. Why? Um, I enjoy I enjoy debate. I enjoy conversation. But I want to be clear when you, when I'm engaging with a nameless, faceless troll on social media, I'm not debating them. I'm not giving them the pleasure of. It's like the great John Henry Clark said. He said, "I I debate my equals. Everybody else gets taught." And so what I'm doing is I'm using them as examples. I'm teaching a lesson. And I'm, I, f- I feel like, from what people tell me, is that I'm providing a service so we can see how these devils think. Um, I'm not debating them. I'm exposing exposing them. And the, the pro-blackness that I was raised up under, my pro-blackness means that, well, you call out racism whenever you see it. Right. I don't care if you're online at Walmart or I don't care if it comes across your feed. I mean, some people don't have the luxury and the privilege that I have as an artist to t- take the time to even be answering these people. Right. So most people in the world, they have to just survive. And so they see stuff like this and it's triggering and they don't have the time. They got to focus on other things. But being that I have I determine my own schedule and being that I have a, a bigger platform and being that my music and my activism work all talks about this stuff. And being that we live in a culture that's more and more and more every day becoming about online uh, interaction. We're getting especially during COVID. We're getting packages from Amazon. We're, we're, we're shopping online. We're, we're getting all our food from Grubhub. We get Uber Eats. In L.A., you could get goddamn easy d- weed delivery to you in That's L.A. That's not you know true. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how are we going to say that? How are we going to say that we spend 80% of our time online, but when we see online bigotry or online, oh, that's just trolling. It's not real. No, this is very real. And, and your silence makes you complicit in it. I, 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 I think you're absolutely right. What do you think we are as a, as a country? That like is a country uh, right I at think, this moment. We were taking a snapshot. I think the, the American experiment is 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 proven to be over. <laughs> I think that uh, that the um, the Democrats is is too little, too late, and that uh, Biden and Harris affected. They look feckless out there because the the right with OANN and Fox News and Trump saying fake news and the assault on the on the news on the free press. All these things that have been happening since Reagan. You know, uh, when they're moving away from the idea of we are the family values party, we are the conservative, right. fiscally responsible. They don't care about none of that. They clearly don't care about none of that. When you see now Mitch McConnell have to come out and be like this Looney Tunes lady. Right. Is, is, Looney Tunes, is, motherfucker, that's your agenda. What are you telling <laughs> right, right. That's what you've been doing the whole time. They, so it's like they have established their own separate reality and their own separate country. And this is one of the most, uh, most dangerous places I've ever seen the country be in. You know what's funny? They drown truth in a bathtub. They really did. Yeah. And and it happened little by I think it, it's always happened with the little lies they used to be able to get away with it. Nobody ever challenged. But then all of a sudden it just became vague. When I when when the alternative facts uh mm-hmm. was was when we and it, and we accepted that as an argument. Like, oh well, yeah. you there are versions yeah. of the truth. <laughs> you can, yeah, you like can. the post the post truth era, the idea they, they abandoned the idea of truth and they focused on the idea of winning. As long as they could get on and put a go have a meme war and be like owned on the internet and feel like you won. Forget about truth. The truth didn't even matter. And they 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 damn near stated that. Right. Yeah. Right. Can truth win? 
I is think it possible? It, I think, Can truth win? I, I think there's no other. I think the universal law says that if you place the truth next to the lie, the lie will always get snuffed out by the truth. It's just we never see the truth play. play we don't see the truth placed next to the lie enough. When Donald Trump stood up and in, in the in front of the people and and told all these lies, and the press corps did not call him out. When 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 they when they let him lie on the Jewish dude and then lie on uh, April Ryan I believe her name is and then lie, lie when they let him lie after lie and instead of holding up their fellow journalists and saying no no sir we're not gonna I'm not gonna ask another question until you correct the lie you just told they want to get their soundbite because he's feeding the machine um, and so the the press I think really really let us down by not holding Trump accountable for all the lies. He told. But I mean, I, some websites did. You had, you know, Politico doing their pants on fire, and certain people tried to do it, but the not enough people in the mainstream did. That was more the fringe. I, I think. I think that. I think to your point, right now, um, a Republican with principles is in trouble for having them, Liz Cheney, or a principal in this aspect, because I think she's done some questionable things. And the one who sold the lies is the one who's going to be rewarded. And I think truth is dying, and it will die because the lips that the truth has to come from, the people who are capable of telling the truth, are, 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 are people that make, are, are, the, our society is not geared to hear the things that they have to hear from the people they gotta hear it from. The only yeah. people, the, 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 the guardians of the truth are going to make this country too uncomfortable. So I think it, it'll, just, it'll just slowly fade away. Yeah, that lady Green, I heard today, the lady Green, the, I hate the fact that she has the same last name as me. Same. <laughs> but um, I heard that she... Oh, you have the same beat, last name as her. She, I'm probably sure she had it first. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard she beat an, an actual brain surgeon for her position. And it goes to show you that we have elevated the the, the idiot, if, I, if I'm if i trying to, if I, if I may be so blunt, we have elevated the opinion of the misinformed to the level of the expert. And, um, and we placed them on the same platform as if they have the same weight and um that's all of our faults but but I, to your point you know what i'll watch people because right now this pandemic is real and it's killing a lot of black people i mean you would know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> touche motherfucker touche <laughs> They don't call. They don't call me Drop Squad for nothing. Let me tell you. <laughs> they don't call me Fallout Boy for nothing. But um, be, be, because uh, we are so like even even us as a people ha, ha, are so uh, have been so uh, abused and mistreated and lied to that even something that could potentially take our lives, we're not sure what to do about it. There's having a desperate impact, a desperate impact upon our communities. We don't know, we're not sure what to do about uh, about it. And I think yeah. this pandemic is telling a story. I think that, that it's doing so well in this nation because this nation uh, is, is, is based on selfishness and greed. And mm -hmm. it knows that the people who are primarily dying are the people who are misinformed and poor. So I'll let them go and that'll make it better for me. And I think yeah. for us, we, we, we have information has all, no matter how we got it has always been our lifeline. Like uh, uh, we had, we had a connection to information that we could at least have a, 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 a we had a symbiotic relationship with the truth that I think now for any number of reasons we don't anymore. Well, I think even with the, even with the black Americans, because we have such a unique perspective and a unique justice claim and a unique experience, we have a healthy fear of skepticism government yeah. and, and vaccines and medicines and stuff like that like that you there's something wrong with you if you don't have a healthy mistrust absolutely of the government with that but you also have to 
be an independent thinker as people like to claim that they always are. You also have to do your own research and you also, you also have to err on the side of caution and you have to trust the expertise based on cross-referencing things. Like if, you're, if your entire uh, argument is based on watching YouTube videos, you don't know what to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you part of the nation of YouTube and Moors. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what's so unfortunate? Yeah, but what's so unfortunate is that you have a lot of people who know just enough because they have watched YouTube videos, or Mm -hmm. they've been following someone on social media who knows just a tad bit more than them, and then Mm -hmm. they go and spew all of the little that they know to other people, and now you have people who don't believe in anything, don't vote, don't take the vaccine, Mm -hmm. don't do this, don't do that, and you have these people just dividing us with all of this misinformation. How do we vibrate? higher how do we yeah, I mean, how do we bring it full circle i think that the, the thing is to um you know i'm not i'm not i'm not a five percenter but uh the five percenters have a thing uh the supreme mathematics and the first three numbers is knowledge wisdom and understanding right and and one thing that i take from that community because very important is to understand that simple math First, you have to have knowledge, and then you have to apply knowledge as wisdom. And once you apply the knowledge, you have an understanding. And I think, um, you know, to never, to always look beneath the surface and never take anything at face value and cite your sources and cross-reference your sources. Like, the YouTube thing is a big problem. Uh, the black YouTube community in particular is, is very gossipy. Mm-hmm. Um, people believe in flat earth on YouTube. Yes. And, and it's, it's a great equalizer, right? So you can you can learn a lot of things on YouTube. I you learned learn how to tie how... a bow tie in 30 seconds on YouTube. But <laughs> Me too. And, and I also learned Same I had diphtheria on YouTube too. Like, I, like, <laughs> right. like, like I but, You have to already have some sort of knowledge. I look at YouTube that DJs look at Serato, right? I'm sitting here with Diamond D, right? My next album is called Gotham. I got the OG Diamond D in the household. I'm going to show you real quick. Hip-hop luminary. What up, baby boy? You know what I'm saying? Legendary. We we over here, we uh, we being safe, too. We have to keep my people... Uh, tested and, and right, and, right, right, right. Each other. He um, looked like I looked before I passed out. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like that. That's just what happened. Right before I passed out, I did exactly that. <laughs> but um, you know, we um, man, I forgot. We started telling jokes. I forgot what I was. Doing. <laughs> we, we, we were talking about the veracity of, of getting stuff off of YouTube, like like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So um, me and me and this dude Diamond D. Our, our, man, I f- totally forgot my point. It was a good one, though. <laughs> Trust me. Oh. When you say vibrate higher, to you, what does that mean? Yes, 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 vibrate higher. Um, it just means to not pay attention to the trends, to pay attention to things in a more long-term fashion, to look at, to not, to, for me, it means building things around me um, that help my vibe. Um Vibration is based on sound. Um, you know, it's, vibration is based on, it's, it's really African. Right. You know, um, connecting back to that sort of African thing that connects all of us, that African human thing that connects all of us, the sound of the drum, the vibration, and, and, and just being aligned in, in this time. I didn't, we started creating this album before the pandemic hit. Right. Um, and so, uh with this with this with this album the first thing we did i have a tv show on my patreon page called vibrate higher the first thing we did was we did an episode of that and um me tying everything together the book 
the album, um, just where people are. The fact that people say vibe now, right, 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 right. Um, that's just where I'm at in this in this in this stage of my career. You you know what's funny? You talked about the book and and and, and, and the album and the TV show and and, and the podcast. It's funny because it's all from what like that's your perspective is like a source like water some you use to wash your clothes or take a shower with some you used to cook it's the same source different uses and i think the reason that you have been successful so long is because you found multiple uses for your source like that's really it you can you you you, you know where it comes from but you also know what to do with it and i think that that's a testament to your longevity if you were what would you say you wanted to be doing are you doing everything? Because to me, when people ask me what I want to be doing, I'm like, I, I love what I'm doing. I talk, I, I, I say how I feel in any number of mm-hmm. platforms. Do you, are you doing exactly what you'd like to do? Are you, would you like to do more? Is there something else that you see that you haven't get, gotten to do? I'm very blessed in, in what I'm doing. Um, I have respect for all the mediums. Um, I used to watch Like It Is on ABC with Gil Noble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when you see me do People's Party, I'm channeling Gil Noble. Right. Um, there was a young man named uh, Reggie Osei, a.k.a. Combat Jack. Mm-hmm. He had a Combat Jack show, a hip-hop podcast. Um, it was the first real hip-hop podcast that really respected the culture. I'm channeling what he's doing. Um, and so I'm just being myself. I, I, it sometimes is, 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 is funny to say that it frustrates me because I work very hard on these bars, brother, just like you work hard on them jokes. Right. I work hard on these right, bars. Right. And you mean to tell me that y'all would rather pay me for me to sit around and talk shit with my friends. But then a friend of mine reminded me that the reason why you they're with they're willing to pay you to hear what you gotta say is because you work so hard on those bars. Right, right. Not disconnected from from your experience. And so I just try to lean in. You know, Larry King just passed away. Right. Um I used I, you know, watching Larry King's interview with 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 uh with Eric Andre was one of my favorite things to do. Right. You know, I, I find myself now as a as a people's party host watching watching old Mike Wallace interviews with Salvador Dali. Right. right. Because now now I want to be good in this space. Right. When right. I when I in the book space, you know I'm already at the top of the food chain when it comes to the MC space. But right. in the book space, I want to I want I, I look at how Maya Angelou wrote Cage Bird so young, how how James Baldwin wrote you know his, his memoirs and everything so young, and they kept writing as more and more books came out as they had new experiences. And I, I'm excited about adding to the black literary canon and taking that journey. Right. i tell you what, I, you're just as do- like, you're dope. And I hate it. I hate it. I can't, I wish it weren't so. I, I gotta say this, brother. I, I, I've been following you for a long time. You and me have, have been in the same circles for a long time. Sure. And I, I, one of my favorite things to do is to watch Kings of Comedy. And not just because of how brilliant of a film it was and how it, it captured the brilliance of you, of you gentlemen at that time. But what I noticed about you is that you 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 at that you really went into race in your in your stand up in a way that was familiar in a way that was funny and you have always you always do the crowd work people know DL will fucking get on the crowd you know what I'm saying like you always you but you always always in the best way possible in the TV show in your stand up everything have been able to have a black agenda and bring that race conversation in a way that a lot of performers are scared to and I, I really appreciate it. I accept. I expect to say. You know what? I, I feel exactly the same way. And then we're gonna do a race. Let's see who gets suspended from social media first. Like you heard it right here. <laughs> Aren't you already suspended? <laughs> I was suspended for good. I had, I had somebody a post saying they was gonna rape my daughter and assault my mother, and I 
I posted that screenshot without cutting out the the phone number. And so Twitter used that as a reason to suspend me. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. And man, you are dope. Vibrate higher. Uh, that's going to be you. available where everywhere books are sold. I can't wait to get it, my copy. You got to sign it for right. me, baby boy. Pre-order pre right now. I did the audio book. I, 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 I read it in my own voice. Most of these rappers have a journalist uh, ghostwrite it for them. I did not. I wrote every word. I did have editors, but I wrote every word. Um, and I appreciate and love y'all for giving me the opportunity. Thank you, man. Thank you so Talib much. Talib Kweli, man. Thank you. We're going to vibrate <laughs> higher. After I finish this, I'm going to do that. <laughs> All right, baby boy. Welcome back to DL Uncut. Our next guest is the founder and creative director of Sergio Hudson. It is the one and only Sergio Hudson. And I am swooning. <laughs> Ease back, goddammit. Well, let me just tell you, when I think about Michelle Obama, <laughs> bow down. That's all are I can you, say. Are you in relation to Sergio Tacchini? He was a big, he was, <laughs> no. he was a big influence no. in my life. <laughs> what, is, uh, what, is, what is fashion? What is, what is the notion of it? What is it? Fashion to me is life, so um, it's what I do, it's um, what I think about every day, all day, so um, I don't know what else to say is... Because, um, you know, I, I, I see, I, I hear a distinction a lot of times. I'll see somebody who's well-dressed uh -huh. and somebody who's fashionable. Like yeah. there's a distinction. Like I, I don't, I don't get it because you know I think that it takes a, a, a practice eye to get it. But there's a distinction. Like I wouldn't know. Uh, I knew Michelle's dress was dope, you know, I, but I didn't. I, I wouldn't have any idea of what that meant. But there are people who understand that nuance. There is, there is, because uh, you can be well dressed by telling somebody, going to somebody, go, hey, put what, what, what looks. But s s people like you know what. Where, where the direction is going. Like, if you want to go to the moon, you got to go to where it's going, not to where it's at. And I think fashion is kind of that, right? I definitely do. Um, fashion is directional. It is a way to speak who you are through what you have on. And some people speak louder than others. And right. Some right, 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 right. Yeah, but that's where the talent lies, is knowing right. what fashion fits a person. Because everybody can't wear everything. Like, nigga, you need to whisper. You don't need to be out this loud. You need to whisper. And it's like some people's voices are pleasing and some people's aren't. So you might speak loud. Right. But it might be pleasing to my ear. So right. you have like people who dress really crazy, but it kind of works. And then you have people who dress crazy and it doesn't. Right, 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 right. You, you, well, you get your inspiration from all kinds of things, right? Like, uh, who's like when you look at at fashion, like somebody you see all the time, or somebody you watch do your endeavor, uh, watch in 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 your in your profession. Who are you inspired by? Um. Well. No shade, but it's nobody that's current. <laughs> that sounds kind of shady. What sound shady? <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm 36, um, so I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, um, and but I had a mother who kind of taught me about style and about black women and beauty um, throughout decades. So I'm very inspired by, of course, black women. Um, to me, they are the key to the universe. So I, um, I take a lot of inspiration from people like Diane Carroll, hmm. um, like uh, Grace Jones, 
Um, those are two I different look- kinds of people, though. Like that, those. One is pull up to the bumper, and one was on. <laughs> like, I don't. Not, those not the same thing. Um, my my mission as a designer is to teach people that even in fashion, black people are not monolithic. We aren't all the same. Right, 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 right. Yeah, pigeonholed, and it happens in fashion. Like we're expected to design what I have on today. Right. Um, so don't expect me to design to design what a first lady would wear. Right. But you did you know. design what a first lady could wear, and no one's ever, and and you know it's funny, no one's ever seen a black man do it. So I guess it's it's interesting, because you didn't, you you might have had influences, but you had to start from a blank canvas. Like you you didn't have a point of reference, did you? Like so you looked at her silhouette, you looked at the things you saw before, and you decided to do something. All I know is this: I had no idea who you were, but when I watched out, I could hear all the black women, "God damn!" And yes. I was like, "Oh." Now, to me, she was a, a, an aesthetically beautiful woman that the where well, the outfit kind of complimented it. To to women, they saw an entirely different thing. Was that your intention? Did you mean Did you mean for her to go when she stepped out? Oh, that's the former first lady for real. Like, you, was there a certain affect you wanted? You know, I would love to say that we planned and plotted this really slay moment, but it was just very organic. Like, um, I worked with her stylist, Meredith Coop. And we were, it was, she was like, I want her to wear pants because we don't want her to be cold. And she's not the first lady anymore. So she doesn't really have to abide by the rules, you know, cause you're really not supposed to wear pants to a event like that. So we didn't even realize we were like breaking rules. And I think, um, she just came out. I mean, it was, it was not, it was definitely to me. And I said this in several interviews, it was not what I put her in. It was what I put her in and the attitude she put on with it, it was just surely that moment. And I told somebody, I think it was, I don't know, Good Morning America. I was like, it's what every black woman I ever saw on Sunday morning at church did Mm -hmm. when they knew they had on the best outfit in the church. (laughs) 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 It's like, she knew I look good today. And you know, you knew when your mom looked good that Sunday morning, it was like, okay, we got to get to right, church on Right, 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 right. Yeah. And we're going to stay for a couple of services. Everybody's yes. going to see this shit right here. Everybody's going to see it. But I instantly knew when I saw her in the pants, I was like, oh, my goodness, she has on pants. And I know that there is a fine line because you don't want to upstage the current first lady. But at the same time, you want to kind of make a little bit of a statement because it's all Michelle Obama has ever done. And so I think you did an amazing job. And I I don't know a sister on black Twitter, on social media, that when we saw it, we all screenshot it. We shared it and we talked about it for days. I didn't. But I thought it was dope. It would be weird if you did, but Uh, I'm just saying you dress Kamala, right? You dress Kamala <laughs> yeah. too. Now that is a different effect because I swear every time I she looks like she works at uh, Ann Taylor. She does. She looks like she. Does. Don't I swear do to God, it. I swear to God. I I want to ask him for a refund for this Christmas gift certificate. Like and 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 it really, it, it really looks like somebody has said to her, "You have you're the you're the first uh, female black vice president, and you have to look." You, I, I, don't, I don't even know what that is, but she looks more like, uh, I, I, I swear, I think she's going to lead a Zoom meeting as opposed to, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what so I will terrible. say is in both those endeavors, you gave the people uh, the approximation of what they wanted. Like th- that's two dramatically different silhouettes, right? Yeah. I think with the vice president, it's, you know, to be completely honest with you, it is a fine line. Um, and I think she, it's not, 
anybody making her, she's very conscious of her position and she does not want her fashion to speak for the position because it's easy. The first thing they told me was she's not a first lady. Um, because I had dressed Michelle twice before. And of course I went in like, okay, we finna do some belts. <laughs> no. We finna, you know, show out. This is our first black female vice president. Like, it's a moment and they were like, mm mm. You know, <laughs> nobody talked about what Mike Pence wore when right. he was vice president. Right. And we want the same thing right. here. Right. We just want her to look presentable. And we want her work to speak for her. That's so that's at odds. That's got to be at odds because you just talked about how how uh, impactful seeing black women, uh, you know, being fashionable was to you. But it's 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 pretty dope to have that in your arsenal, to have that arrow in your quiver. You can go, okay, fuck it, we can do that too. That's that's dope. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it was more of a, you know, being loving black women the way I do. Um, it was a honor to make her whatever she needed to be made. I mean, to be honest with you, um, to be a part of that was more than just excelling my career. It was being a part of history, helping in some way with what I do um, to facilitate something like this happening. So when we work with the vice president, it's, you know, we are at her beck and call. <laughs> well, you, you, you're, you're a young guy. Right. You're a young guy. What are you, 35, 36? You grew up where? In Ridgeway, South Carolina. <laughs> now, how in Ridgeway, South Carolina? No, no one knows. No one knows where that is. And that's why you're not there anymore. But how does a, a kid growing up in Ridgeway, South Carolina, you're a very young man, etch yourself in history like that? And, and Because I don't imagine there were a lot of uh, fashion schools in Ridgeway, South Carolina. Were there a lot of... There weren't... No. Um, it was, you know, sheerly and wholeheartedly my mother that influenced me to be a fashion designer. Um, she's not from Ridgeway, South Carolina. She is from Charleston, South Carolina, which is a vast difference from where I grew up. Um, so she's more of a city girl, so to speak. And um, she moved to the small town, but she didn't move to the small town with her mindset. It was different. So we always, you know, we went to opera. We went to ballets she made sure we you know saw the world and she was so into fashion that it was no choice for me but to be into fashion and at a very young age i got influenced by it and you know it was always tv always magazines so you can influence you know people in timbuktu if they got a tv right so that i just remember at a very young age watching cnn style and um that's how i discovered fashion it's, it's interesting because I know I'm a comedian and I'm always artistically looking for ways uh, to to kind of make strides, uh, generally trying to make myself uncomfortable. Um, but it's it's so much easier for me because I have a I have a large nation. I got a Lexi, I got a group. I got a lot of satellite of people. You don't. I, I, there are not a lot of of, of black people. Uh, not a lot of black men, certainly in that industry that had that know um that that kind of well let me let me let me ask you the question is there a community that you draw on now because Carl Kanai and and, and and they ain't there no well, the time of here <laughs> Fubu they all gone all the Fubu <laughs> niggas is left so <laughs> it's like who who do it's you a, it's a layered conversation um what I do is you know pretty much luxury sportswear 
and there has not been a black designer ever to elevate to the point of like a legacy brand. And when I say legacy brand, you know, I'm talking about like Louis Vuitton. Yeah. 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 We haven't elevated to that point for multiple reasons. Um, Main one being the wealth gap. Um, When you come into this industry, it's very, very expensive. And you don't, if you don't have somebody backing you, it's just, it's not possible. So when you come into this industry, my white counterparts, you know, it's easy for them to go to this investment bank and say, because they're, somebody works there that knows them and they believe in their talent and they'll give them $100,000 to start their brand. Um, when we walk in the bank, they'd be like, um, you want to do what? <laughs> <laughs> you better get in the dress department at Macy's, nigga. That's what you better do. <laughs> it's, and that's the biggest problem. It's not that it's a lack of talent. There have been numerous black designers that have tried. You you know, you have Willie Smith. You have Patrick Kelly. You have um, Jeffrey Banks. All these people that you probably never heard of because it just it's been too hard for us. So for me to be able to break through in this way is something different. Well, hopefully things will change now that we have a lot of firsts, you know, because I, I mean, even just looking back over the entire Obama, Obama administration, when we saw, you know, the first artist commission to come in and do the portrait of the first lady and, of course, uh, former President Obama. And now seeing that, you know, someone like you being a, a young black man also, you know, in terms of, of doing the fashion design, hopefully that will eventually turn the tides at least a little bit. I think it's definitely, and I will say about the fashion industry, um, it's, I would, I tell people all the time, it's not a willfully racist industry. It's just racist by happenstance. No, I, well, no, I think, I know, I, I, I think that most things would say they weren't willful. But if I look at you and I'm willing to make an investment in you because I can relate to you, then that's a conscious decision. And I, I'm not willing. So I, I don't I, I, I don't think uh, industries uh, should be led off the hook because there are individuals that are nice. But I think that you're I don't think I think that people would say that they're not willful industries. But I think um, when you deny somebody a access to something because you you know, that, that's very willful to make that decision to make that to, to, to say this dude I relate to this dude. I don't he's viable. He's not. That's that's willful. Yeah. And also, we, we, we've seen the stories of how people sit around the table in these fashion houses, and we wonder, how, how you get a monkey on your shirt? Out? How did that monkey get on the shirt? You know, we're whole situation right. with Prada. How does that happen? I, I room, and it's, you know, it's, um, like I said, it's because we don't have the connection, and we don't have, like, we're not there. And it's, um, it's like, I feel like I'm proud of the fashion industry, especially the American fashion industry, I will say that because they have made major strides, especially in the last year, to try to be more sure, inclusive. Sure, sure, sure. But, but only because cats like you... a long way to go. Only because cats like you open the door, you, you, you shove the yeah. door. You said something very interesting. I, I, used to, I try to use my art, uh, my perspective, which I would consider my art, to make people see us differently. You do that with fashion. Um, the old adage, uh, you dress for the way you want to be perceived, you believe that, right? I definitely do. So I think that part of one of the things that we encounter is there are a lot of black people who don't know how to dress appropriately for whatever situation they're going into. Would you say that? Um, I would say that to a certain degree. Because <laughs> th- th- there are things that, like, you, 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 well, you knew that there was a difference between the way 
Kamala Harris needs to be presented, and the first lady needs to be presented, and even the way she needed to be presented after she was the former first lady, right? So th that's a pretty broad continuum of experiences, right? Yeah. So uh, isn't it isn't it true, like, the, the old ad is dress for success is important. So isn't that about um, um, saying your, your, your clothes are supposed to, or your affect is supposed to tell a story before you even start speaking, right? Do you think that that could help us, that that idea? Because I, I think that sometimes we're in a lot of situations that people aren't familiar with us. And, and how you want to be, how you how you appear yourself, how you present yourself, is how they're going to see you for the first time. And that's going to be great. Do you, do you think that the fashion industry can have a, ha uh, a hand in, in the way black people are perceived? I think definitely, but I think it's... Uh... It's kind of hard when you think about it because it'll, if you look at it, like I can walk in the room with this hoodie on and people will assume that I'm a black man that, you know, does whatever that black men do who dress like this. And a, white <laughs> in, right. a white man can walk in the room with this same outfit on and they'll just be like, oh, he's fashionable. Right. I feel like a lot of times the things that we do as black people are we're vilified for it, but then it's celebrated by other people when other people do it. So it's, it's a, it's a, but I mean, I understand what you're saying when you say, you know, dress appropriately for where you're going. But sometimes I don't think you really, I think it, it, it can be a toss up because I think sometimes you are damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you wear a hoodie, right, then they have a particular opinion of you. But then we look at some of the athletes who completely change if they were dressing and then they dog them out too. It's like, no, okay, I'll tell, so. I'll tell you an example of that. The NBA was going in another direction. It was losing money. The, 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 the David, so you remember this? He said, you guys can't dress like that for this. And their, 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 their value went up. And then those dudes started learning. NBA players drive fashion for black males. It ain't rappers. Mm -hmm. It's NBA. They, they'll see somebody with a bag or a suit, and all of a sudden they felt like I know that there's a difference in the way I feel when I'm hanging out or as a po when I'm going to work. When I'm going to work, I want a certain affect. And I think that there needs to be, when I used to look at pictures, the same pictures you probably looked at, the people you were influenced by, they looked like they was going to do something. You could tell when they was going to hang out. You could tell when they was going to church. You could tell when they was going to run the streets. They had, the, 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 so they dressed for whatever the occasion was, and I think that that was one of the things that we were celebrated about. Like, black people, even when we was broke as fuck, knew how to dress. Yeah, we figured out a way. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm saying, and, 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 and it really had a, an effect on how, not how people looked at us, but how we felt about ourselves. For sure. So, and I, what were you going to say? I, this is the thing, so... My my mission, too, as a designer that is influenced by people, and I get asked the question, who are you, who inspired you? Who did this? And I think it's, it's, I make a conscious decision to design collections that were inspired by my experience as a black male. You know, like my last collection, that the actual outfit that Michelle Obama, the outfit came from, was inspired by Stephanie Mills, Anita Baker, Pebbles, like all of these late 80s, early 90s R&B singers. And when I said that to this, this fashion press, that you could see in their eyes the confusion. <laughs> like, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> like, it's just like certain people, white people just don't know about, like they don't too much know about Pebbles. They right. don't know about Stephanie Mills. Right. Like they might know her from the Wiz, but right. they don't know, you know, something in the way you make me feel. Like right. they don't know the type of things 
So I felt it was, it's my responsibility as a creative in this industry to open people's eyes to see the contributions that we have made to style. I got to tell you and, something. I was not used to, I was not looking forward to talk to a fashion dude. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck I'm going to talk to him about? I, 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 we had, a, we had a, and and you, you know what? It's interesting and and very dope to see that somebody has the same affection and historical relevance for what they do as what I do. And I can see why. Whenever I see anybody who's really good at anything, they know what they know what comes before them, so they know what will come after. Like like if you tell me you you did you you it was an homage to all these people in the eighties. It's just shit they ain't never seen before. But mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think it's it's just dope to see that so many young people are taking paths we never could have imagined. I would have never imagined I would talk for twenty minutes to a dude about fashion, <laughs> and 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 really and really kind of learn and be interested. You're you're a dope young man. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate the platform for sure. And Thank I want you, you so to much. help me with my success. Uh, oh, my, 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 uh, I want my fashion line. What is it? <laughs> yeah, with tiny my jackets. My... <laughs> tiny jackets. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Don't laugh at that, you motherfucker. No, I, I, that's just... <laughs> he saw it. He knows. <laughs> I'm inspired by the fun. All right, man. Take care, man. Take care.